Myanmar's military seized power on Monday and declared a year-long state of emergency following claims that the recent election was marred by fraud and demanded that a uh, investigation be launched to look into those allegations. As a result, the state councillor Aung San Suu Kyi has been detained, and this move has prompted severe condemnation from uh, various parts of the world, including the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who pledged to mobilize international pressure to make sure this coup does not succeed. So for further analysis on the situation in Myanmar, as well as the prospects for international intervention, uh, as well as uh, what is the plight and uh, future for Aung San Suu Kyi, we welcome on the line Professor Eric Kuhonta from the Department of Political Science at McGill University. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining us, Professor. Uh, So the military in Myanmar took power just as a new session of parliament was set to open. They declared this uh, year-long state of emergency. What are your thoughts and takeaways on the recent events uh, as you've seen them? Well, I think it's it's quite a a stunning event, and it's quite significant because uh, Myanmar seemed to be, at least superficially, on some liberalization trajectory. Mm Uh, it held elections in 2015 and, and this recent one in 2020. So it at least had five years um, of some incipient move toward democracy. So this coup, I think, is um, is very unfortunate and uh, and really turns back the clock in terms of uh, where Myanmar was heading. Right. And so uh, we kind of harken back to the days when the military junta was in charge and uh, Aung San Suu Kyi was under house arrest uh, uh, for so many years, um, inspiring the world to even, of course, eventually win the Nobel uh, Peace Prize. These allegations currently by the military that there was widespread fraud during the general elections, uh, which, of course, uh, many of those, most of those seats going to Aung San Suu Kyi's Party. How valid are those claims? Um, just from an uh, objective way, it, does the military have a, a rational argument here? Well, the the argument that the military is making, and they've made them quite persistently since right after the elections, after November eight, uh, is that yeah, that there, there was massive fraud um, in in the in the count of the of the of the ballots and in the way the ballots were, were tabulated, etc. Um, the um, the key, one of the key monitoring uh, organizations in Myanmar called PACE, the People's Alliance for Credible Elections, released a report um, after the election about the, the the conduct of the elections and noted very clearly that the elections had been uh, had been conducted quite fairly. And so, uh, this allegation of fraud uh, doesn't hold up based on what. Uh, independent organizations, especially PACE, um, which is a very credible organization, has reported. Now, that said, prior to the November 8 election, there was, however, uh, quite extensive criticism from human rights organizations, as well as from journalists and from some think tanks, that the, um, the Electoral Commission, the Union Election Commission, uh, was... Uh, making decisions that uh, were not always uh, quite fair. For example, uh, the Electoral Commission decided prior to the election, about a few weeks uh, prior to the election, to not hold uh, elections in a few states and a few areas in a number of states in Myanmar, such as 
in Rakhine State, where much of the state could not vote, um, and in parts of Shan State and Kachin State. Uh, these are states that have significant ethnic minorities, um, and uh, one would have expected that the vote there would have gone to ethnic parties um, who are in opposition to the governing party of the National League for Democracy. And in the argument made by the Electoral Commission is that some of these areas were conflict-ridden, uh, and therefore one could not hold elections there. But some of these areas were not completely conflict-ridden, as independent organizations have noted, so they questioned the decision of the Electoral Commission to not hold elections. So that is to say that although um, the argument about massive fraud is does not hold up, mm-hmm. uh, it is also true that some decisions made by the Electoral Commission uh, were not fair. Okay, got it. But uh, whether that instituted or uh, necessitated a military coup, I guess, uh, in terms of what you, uh, the concerns that you raised, I guess, is another thing. Interestingly, so uh, we have the commander in chief right now, uh, Min Nang Hyang, who will be the uh, so-called um, per- person in charge uh, while this is undergoing um, the process. Aung San Suu Kyi under house arrest. The uh, claims of fraud are one thing. This is a head scratcher for. A lot of people, including myself, and hopefully you can help us understand this better. But it's being reported that she's being officially charged for the illegal import of walkie-talkies. And I, I, we don't really understand exactly what, what this necessitates or what, what actual, actually the, the, the ramifications of that is. What, what is it about the walkie-talkies and why that's the charge being brought against Aung San Suu Kyi? Yeah, no, it, it is quite a, a head-scratcher in that sense. Um, uh, I, I think... I, my guess is that the uh, that the coup makers are sort of, you know, making it up on the fly in terms okay. of um, what they want to to stick against against the NLD and Aung San Suu Kyi. This thing of you know, importing walkie talkies is is just, you know, I mean, on the face of it, nonsensical, and they're just looking for something to to pin on her. Clearly, the um, the just the motivation um, for the coup was the motivation, the justification for the coup was deep discontent that, once again, the military, um, well, the proxy party of the military, the USDP, the party that represents the military interests, got trounced uh, once again as, as in 2015, and this time they got trounced even worse, uh, despite five years in which the NLD did not actually govern very well. And so, you know, being at the bottom of two electoral contests, uh, I think really upset the military, and and that is really the justification for this coup. But this thing about the walkie-talkies is just, I think, on the fly, something to try to um, you know pin down Aung San Suu Kyi. Yeah, I mean, you would think if the uh, the junta had a, a PR department, they would say, well, the optics optics of this from a Western media point of view would probably be laughable if we put this claim out there, and they would have tried to maybe adjust their. Um, reasoning or messaging or, or, or what have you with the, this uh, walkie-talkie charge, but uh, uh, apparently that's what they're going to go with. Overall, and if you look at this history, as um, Aung San Suu Kyi being the seminal uh, figure, not just for Myanmar history, but overall for um, uh, in, in the uh, pantheon of democracy activists, she won uh, a Nobel Peace Prize. She was under house arrest for, for many, many uh, years. Uh, she eventually did come to power uh, with, as you had mentioned, this kind of path towards um, a liberal democracy that Myanmar was undergoing. She did undergo a bit of a fall from grace, at least uh, in terms of international reputation, with her 
um, decision making around the plight of the Rohingya Muslims uh, in Myanmar right now. Overall, I mean, as you're, I, I, I would say it's too early to assess the legacy of Aung San Suu Kyi, but as this kind of roller coaster that she's been on, um, is, it, is, is there any juxtaposition from the military's role with the, the Rohingya and, and what's going on right now? Sorry, is there any any? Well, I mean, because the backdrop is the military has been accused of committing a genocide, and then now we see this internal political dispute. Are these sort of apples and oranges situations? Because that does seem to be, uh, at least from the Western point of view, where you don't look at these issues um, with a minute uh, scale. You kind of see that um, perhaps the the situation with Aung San Suu Kyi has now kind of. We, we don't take, we don't think about the Rohingya issue anymore. We're talking about her once again uh, as this uh, lone democracy uh, figure in the country. Yeah, I mean, so a couple of things here. I, I, I think, um, um, yeah, I think Aung San ends up at this point again as this uh, democracy symbol who the the West is concerned about, uh, and she reprises the role she had uh, you know, prior to. Uh, her, her very terrible um, um, attitude toward toward the Rohingya, uh, but at the same time, I think uh, as 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 the media has been has been writing, you know, the world is 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 no longer so enthralled with Aung San Suu Kyi. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, many uh, scholars, many writers um, have have realized that Aung San Suu Kyi is not exactly is definitely not an icon of democracy. Mm. And at the same time, that she's not ex- she's not exactly a very good politician. When she was criticized heavily um, for uh, her um, her rhetoric and her um, unwillingness to to say anything remotely uh, supportive of the Rohingya, or at least of trying not to uh, uh, massacre the Rohingya, Aung San Suu Kyi's retort was that uh, she was never the uh, democracy human rights icon the West put her up to be. Right. She always just was a politician. Now, that is frankly a ridiculous statement because uh, a politician does not mean that you have to be completely you know, instrumental and, and purely interest-driven. Uh, but on this point of being a politician, she clearly hasn't been a very good politician because right. despite all that she has done, including going to The Hague uh, to defend uh, Myanmar from yeah. charges of genocide, despite all that she has done to defend military... Uh, the military's okay. uh, violence um, and 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 attack and expulsion and 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 what the United right. Nations called genocide against the Rohingya, despite all We're that she has done to. to cover and protect the the military. Got it. Um, the military took her out. We're going to uh, have to so leave it there. But uh, Professor Kohanta, thank you so much for your insights. Uh, really appreciate it. A pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back after this.